All right. Well, our second scripture reading today comes to us from Matthew chapter 16. We're going to look at verses 1 through 12. Matthew 16, verses 1 through 12. You can find that in your pew Bibles on page 1,523, 1523. Um, we'll also have the words on the screen for you. Matthew 16, verses 1 through 12. The Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. He replied, when evening comes, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, today it will be stormy, for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times? A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Jesus then left them and went away. When they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. Be careful, Jesus said to them. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They discussed this among themselves and said, It is because we didn't bring any bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, You of little faith, why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? How is it you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread? But be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Thus ends our reading of God's holy word. May all who hear it be on their guard as they follow Christ. It was the atheist Christopher Hitchens who said this, I would say that if you don't believe that Jesus of Nazareth was the Christ, was the Christ and Messiah, and that he rose from the dead, and by his sacrifice our sins are forgiven, you're really not, in any meaningful sense, a Christian. Of course, he didn't believe any of those things. But he understood that, that in order to worship the God of the Bible, one must have a true faith in both who Jesus is and what he has done. That there is no middle ground when it comes to Christ. It's either all or nothing. And it's in our passage for today that we see the truth of such sentiment. Now, we have been journeying through the Gospel of Matthew for some time. And, and through this journey, we have seen an uptick in the, in the hostility between the Jewish religious leaders and Jesus Christ. And in an effort to avoid such confrontations, uh, we've also seen that Jesus and his disciples, they, they had left the region of Galilee and traveled into Gentile territory. First to the, to the region of Tyre and Sidon, where, where they encountered a, a Canaanite woman, a woman who was looking for mercy as her, her daughter had been tormented by a demon. 
And it was in this account that, that, that we saw her great faith. The, the, this woman believed in Jesus even when the odds were stacked up against her. And Jesus, in his compassion for her, granted her the mercy that she was seeking as he freed her little girl from the anguish that she was under. From there, Jesus and his followers left and, and went to the region of the, the Decapolis, another Gentile territory. And they had spent three days ministering to the people as Jesus healed all who were brought to him. And before he had sent them away, we once again saw that same compassion of our Lord as he, as he fed the crowds by multiplying the bread and the fish. And it was through these interactions that, that we witnessed the advancement of God's kingdom. Not only had, had Christ come to rescue the Jews, but now we see that the Gentile people were finding that they too had a seat at God's table. Christ has this limitless supply of grace and mercy. And any who come to him with repentant faith, any who recognize this Jesus as their king, they will find that they are welcomed in God's kingdom. But as we continue our story for today, we'll see that not everyone held Jesus in this honorific life. They did not see him as their king. It's going in and out. Mike's going in and out. All right. Let's see if we can raise it up a little bit. Maybe that'll help. I don't know. You guys can hear me though, right? All right. All right. So what we're going to find is there, there were some who were determined to ignore the truth about who Jesus is, even at the cost of their own souls. So let's, let's look at our passage and see what we can learn. Look, look at verse 1. The Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. Have you ever met someone who, who always seems to be looking for a fight? I mean, Jesus had, had barely returned to Jewish territory and these religious leaders were, were ready to pounce once more. The, the, these were men who, who were determined to discredit Jesus and, and put an end to all this messianic talk. Now, who were these men? Matthew tells us that they were the Pharisees and the Sadducees. This is, these are not two groups that you'd normally see together. If you recall, the last time Jesus was confronted, it was by the Pharisees and the, and the teachers of the law, or the scribes. Uh, and they were men from Jerusalem. These were the, 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 the bigwigs of the religious sect. Well, well, these two were most likely men from Jerusalem, for, for they were probably from the high council known as uh, Sanhedrin. And why do we assume this, that they were members of the Sanhedrin? For, for one, the Sadducees were only a small but, but powerful group that, that resided in Jerusalem. They, they were the priestly class that, that oversaw the, 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 the functions of the temple. 
And when it came to their worldview, both, both theologically and politically, they did not see eye to eye with the Pharisees. They were, they were not friends. They did not get along whatsoever. But, but there was one place where these two groups had to come together in order to try to lead their people. You see, the, the, the Sanhedrin was the highest Jewish council in the land. And it was composed of both Pharisees and Sadducees. So what we're seeing in this passage is probably a contingent from this group. Jesus was becoming such a big problem that these opposing sides, they, they, they crossed the aisle in order to battle a common enemy. And so they, they, they had come to Jesus in order to test him to test his messianic claims. And in doing so, they demanded a sign from heaven above. Now, we've seen this thing before, have we not? Back, back in chapter 12, it, it was the, the local group, the, the local Pharisees and the, and the teachers of the law that asked the same question. Look at, look at Matthew 12, verse 38. Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a miraculous sign from you. If you remember, this did not go well for these men. Not only did Jesus refuse to comply to the request, but then he rebuked them by saying that the men of Nineveh and the queen of the south would, would stand in judgment against this generation. For, for they had repented at the teaching of lesser men. But this generation had the Messiah. And, and they had... And they had more signs, more miracles than, than, it, than the queen of the south or the men of Nineveh. And yet they were asking for more signs. Do you see the, the ridiculous nature in this question? And in our passage here today, we, we see a similar response from Jesus. Look at, look at verses 2 through 4. He replied, when evening comes, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, today it will be stormy, for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times? A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Jesus then left them and went away. What rock have you been hiding under? In essence, this is what Jesus was saying to these men. You, you look to the skies and you know whether you will get sunshine or rain. You are not weathermen or even farmers, and yet you understand how to do this. But you who claim to be the religious leaders, masters of God's word, can't even understand the signs that the scriptures have proclaimed, which are right in front of you. How can this be? Pause for a moment and think about all that has happened. Think about what we have read thus far in Matthew's gospel. How many people that have been healed by the touch of Jesus? How many demons that have been cast out? What about that little girl that rose from the dead? News about that spread far and wide. And then there were these massive public events with thousands and thousands of witnesses where Jesus had multiplied the bread and the fish. 
I mean, what more miraculous signs did these religious leaders need? Sometimes the, the, the demand for evidence turns out to be just a smokescreen for a deeper issue. It doesn't matter how much proof you put in front of a person. For some, it will never be enough. For, for there are times when a man lacks faith, when a man's lack of faith has nothing to do with the truth, but everything to do with what that truth means. For both the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the reason that, that they ignored the evidence was because the Messiah that they were hoping for was not the Messiah that they had received. They wanted someone who would look and act just like them. But instead, they got Jesus. Now, now both groups had, had different ideas of what the Messiah should look like, but they, they agreed on one point, that Jesus was not it. And so neither would bend the knee to Christ. And this is why we see them teaming up, is it not? For there is strength in numbers. If I can find a, a companion who will also reject the truth with me, even if he is my enemy, then I, then I will be able to justify my own willful blindness. But is our generation any different? Today, there, there are many people who, who demand a sign from our Lord. They, they, they say, I will believe once I get proof. If God would only show himself to me in some dramatic fashion, then I would worship Jesus. But like those religious leaders, this too is just a smokescreen. For, for the evidence is ample enough, and a little more will not change their minds. For deep down, they don't want to believe. For the, for the Christ that the Bible teaches is not the Messiah that they are looking for. They want someone else. Someone who looks a little more like themselves. This is why Jesus said that a, a wicked and adulterous generation looks for a miraculous sign. For they have created an idol in their own hearts of what they think God should look like. And they have rejected the God that is. But lest we think that we within the visible church are on safe footing, Jesus has this warning for us. Let's continue in our chapter. Look at verses 5 through 7. When they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. Be careful, Jesus said to them. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They discussed this among themselves and said, it is because we didn't bring any bread. Christ had once again left the conflict behind him, and he and his disciples were now crossing the Sea of Galilee. But in their rush to leave, the disciples forgot something, didn't they? The bread. If you remember, they had seven baskets filled with the stuff. Jesus, being the wise teacher that he is, he used this moment to bring a warning to his disciples. He told them to be on their guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Of 
course, these disciples didn't understand. They, they had their minds on their own troubles, knowing that they had forgotten the bread. And they, and they wondered if this was some type of rebuke for their forgetfulness. They were, were, were focusing on, their, on worldly problems and their worldly resources. When the one who, who, who provided those resources to begin with was sitting in the boat right next to them. Think about that. Jesus knew this. And because he knew this, he had some words to share with them. He, he corrected their misunderstanding by pointing them back to himself. Look at verse 8. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, You of little faith, why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? How is it you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread? But be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. You of little faith. Time and again we have heard these words from our Lord. In the Sermon on the Mount. On the boat when he calmed the storm. When Peter was walking on the water and he began to sink. You of little faith. But notice, he didn't say no faith. For these disciples, it wasn't a matter of willful ignorance. Rather, they lacked understanding. They did not understand. You see, faith and knowledge, they're intricately linked. The, 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 the two go hand in hand. Many people today have this misconception of what faith truly is. They, they, they think of it as a belief in the absence of evidence, that, that it's some type of blind trust. But that's not what faith is. You, you, you don't just turn off your mind and, and follow Jesus. No. True faith is built upon evidence. The, these disciples had seen what Jesus could do. And because of that, they, they recognized him as the Messiah the king of the Jews. And that is why they followed him. It was not as, out of some emotionally driven feeling that they had in their hearts. No. Rather, it was because he taught as one who had authority, and he backed that teaching up through the many signs and wonders that those religious leaders were ignoring. Here's the thing. The, the, the difference between these disciples and those men from the Sanhedrin was their starting point. The, the, the one began with the outcome that they wanted to find. But when the evidence pointed to something else, they demanded more signs. But for these disciples, they began with the evidence. And they allowed that to dictate the outcome. They heard the teaching. They saw the miracles. And they believed. Proverbs 14, verse 6 says this. The mocker seeks wisdom and finds none. But knowledge comes easily to the discerning. You see, 
Miracles do not compel faith, but those who have faith understand their significance. But the faith of these disciples was little, and it was in danger of being snuffed out. This is why Jesus was warning these men about the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. For, for the doubt that they had casted could spread like wildfire if it was not reined in. The little faith of these disciples needed to grow. But in order to do that, they needed to gain understanding. Understanding of what? Understanding of the metaphor that Jesus was using? Understanding the significance of the feeding of the 5,000 and the 4,000? Understanding both? Look at the context. Jesus was warning these men concerning the interaction that they just had with these religious leaders. And yet all the disciples could think about was the bread that they had forgotten. So what Jesus was saying to them was stop worrying about the bread. You have the bread of life sitting right next to you. Instead, be more concerned with the yeast that can spread and cause doubt. Well, these disciples finally got it. They, they, they finally comprehended what Jesus was saying. Look at verse 12. They understood that he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. In many ways, we as a, the church are in the same boat that these disciples were in. We have Christ sitting right next to us, and yet there is this outside influence constantly spreading doubt concerning who Jesus is. And this yeast comes to us in, in, in different forms. There is a philosopher who, who asks the question, how can a good God be all-powerful and not remove the evil that is in this world? Show me a sign that God is good and I will believe in your Jesus. Then there is a scientist who, who challenges uh, the, the creation accounts that are found in, in Scripture. Prove to me that it, that it all didn't happen just by chance. And then I will believe in your Jesus. Then there's a textual critic. The one who says that the Bible cannot be trusted because it has been changed over the past 2,000 years. Show me the, the original copy and then I will believe in your Jesus. Now the, the Christian should be prepared to give an answer to any of these objections. And if, if you are at a loss as to how, please come and see me. I'll try to help you out. But, but here's the thing. Most of the time, these are just smoke screens hiding a deeper issue. For the truth of the matter is that they don't like what the evidence points to. For, for if God doesn't look like them, then they would rather that God be dead. They have no love for this Messiah or anything that he stands for. For to have faith in this Jesus would require them to, to, to change who they are. And they are not about to do that. And so they demand another sign. But the only sign that they will get is the sign of Jonah. 
Just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so too did our Lord spend three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. It is the death and resurrection of Jesus that is the sign to end all signs. There is no more evidence that is needed. It is the proof that finishes the argument. Christ rose from the dead, bringing victory over sin, death, and the devil. And for those who have faith, they, they look to this sign and they understand its significance. That Christ is who he says he is. God in human flesh. The one who has come to rescue us from our sins. But for those who lack faith, even the resurrection is not enough. Because the evidence doesn't lead to what they want to hear. Listen to one more quote from the atheist Christopher Hitchens. Even if I accepted that Jesus, like almost every other prophet on record, was born of a virgin, I cannot think that this proves the divinity of his father or the truth of his teachings. The same would be true if I accepted that he had been resurrected. Did you catch that? Christopher Hitchens was a, was a man who, who didn't want to believe the truth because he didn't like what the truth meant. Dear friends, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Look to the evidence of the empty tomb and trust in Jesus, this one who died for your sins and rose from the dead. Let us pray. Father, expand our faith. Let us not ignore the truth because we don't like it. Rather, help us to embrace it. We can only do this through the work of your Holy Spirit. Give us eyes to see your Son clearly, that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that he died for our sins and then rose from the dead three days later. And that he wants to mold us into his image. Take what little faith we have and make it grow. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.